Hello and welcome back to the Breach Burnt Podcast. We're a couple of Midwest nerds. To get us started, Zach, why don't you tell us why we named the podcast Breach Burnt? Yeah, sure. So Breach, Breach Burnt, as uh, many of you might know, is an ability on the front of the new Maxine Agassiz uh, card. Maxine herself is a character whose family is a real family that existed in the United States and had a massive mine in Michigan specifically. So seeing as she is a character from where most of us are from, and it just sounds metal as hell, figured it would work out as a decent name for, uh, for the podcast. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, Zach came up with that. I'm, I'm way behind the lore, so no idea about that stuff. Topic today is going to be double masters. We're going to get a little informal with it and just kind of give everyone 10 cents on double masters. So I guess to start things off, do we think double masters are fair? Do we think they're balanced? I like the double masters. Now, granted, I do not play a lot, but I do think it is a fair format, especially since when they updated the app, which most people use, and you know before you make your crew that you will, in fact, be playing a second master. It allows you to tech in and plan for it when you make your crew. Now, before the app made that update and it was just revealed when your crew was revealed, I think for some people that was kind of a feels bad. You didn't know the second master was coming. You couldn't make any plans for it. So that could make some uh, hurt feelings. But with the update, then it is making it much easier so that you know ahead of time to make your crew ready for it. But even before that, for instance, when I've played a few times with the second masters, I would let my opponent know ahead of time for the app had that feature. So it was fair and you're also being fair to your opponent. So you're not having any surprises. No one likes a gotcha. So I believe that was fair in the way it was played to let your opponent know that it was coming. And even if they didn't, it does feel bad, but it's still a fair, fair game because you are, you're exchanging certain things for that second master that you would not normally have if you just ran your first master. Yeah, I agree that it is a far more fair format than it previously was for that uh, update to the app. But fair and balanced are two different things. And I do think that the balance scale on dual masters swings wildly in both directions. There are some masters that are obviously much better as seconds than others. And there are some combinations that are wildly more powerful than others as well. Is this good for the game? I mean, that's debatable. It's, just, it's simply a matter of, I think, that testing for these sorts of combinations is not something you could reasonably do in a quick amount of time, especially not when you're balancing everything else that exists. The game just went through a massive change with all these titles coming out and with no real proper restrictions on bringing these titles or the previous versions as a second. It massively multiplied the number of combinations of masters that you could bring in, in the game. So there's there's no way in hell that it's balanced per se. And I'm sure we're going to uh, touch on some of those combinations later. With that said, 
we can't learn about these things until people start playing them, start complaining about them so that weird can actually do something about them to make them fair so that we can all have more fun playing the game, how they obviously designed it to work. I say, I, I agree with you, Zach, that the balancing is the issue. I think it's a very fair thing to do and play, but as we'll get into the advantages and disadvantages later on and the OP combinations, and maybe I have ideas on how to get rid of it, but I do think they have done a much better weird in general of with the newer titles and, and that coming out with Malifaux Burns of keeping things keyword only, which eliminates a lot of issues when you bring in double masters because that very powerful AP and synergy isn't there between the two usually. Now it does happen and there definitely are combinations out there we'll get to. But in general, I think they're making the strides to make it as balanced as possible. But you are right that the testing of it with now the many masters that there are all with titles, it's hard to play test them all. I mean, our community isn't 40K and the playtesting community, even a smaller amount of that that Weird probably has. So there's no way they could get as much needed feedback before it actually hits. At this point, the whole community is the playtest community. Now it is. But I mean, like when they first came out with the titles sure, sure. and everything, there was no way to get enough data beforehand. And you can play test a game till it's uh, blue in the face. And once it gets out into the wild, you're still going to find combos just for the sheer mass of games that are going to be going on or how many you can get into the playtesting. Yeah, and this is actually a big reason why I'm really happy to see uh, people start to take stat tracking a lot more uh, seriously than they previously had. The gentleman that's been doing all the spreadsheets for the Vassal World Series, I've really appreciated that work. Anyone using long shanks to run their tournaments has also been collecting data, whether they know it or not. That's also a great utility to look at. And I feel like the more collectively that the community can collect these sorts of data points, the more that Weird can look at them, study them, and then learn from them to help make the game even better than it already is. And I mean, fluff-wise, I do like the fact that we can play Double Masters. I, more than some of us in this group, have delved into a lot of the fluff. And sometimes when you're talking about the stories and how the masters interact in the stories is great. And sometimes you just want to see them actually on the table together. <laughs> doesn't make sense, but there are some times when it's just great to fluff wise, put them on the, the table and enjoy two characters that you like in the game. So are you talking about that from a ship perspective or mechanical? <laughs> oh, more, more just, I don't want to ship them together. This is not a ship episode. We are not uh, another great podcast that's out there. But in general, I really enjoy Masaki. She's one of my favorite masters, both thematically in that. And uh, it is fun sometimes just to throw her with another, what I think is OP cool master and just see them both on the table at the same time. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's enough deliberating. Let's get into some of the problematic ones. So I think... We kind of agree that there's at least a semblance of balance there for the most part, but there are definitely some combos or or just masters that are very efficient as a second master that are somewhat problematic, and if you're running against a player at a very high level, you might really struggle against some of these. So I guess to start us off, Hoffman and May. 
is a thing. So why do we think that is? Well, it's because of Sparks. Sparks is the problem, honestly. And, and, and you can dive even deeper. It's not just, it's not that Sparks himself is the problem. It's the command construct action that is the problem. Since it does, it doesn't limit its use on masters. It only limits it for leaders. It allows you to do stupid things like shoot the irreducible four laser extra times every turn. And it's not like um, Hoffman's ability to do that irreducible damage is overpowered. I've played it against a lot and it can mitigate it because it's once on that target per that activation and you have to set it up. But once you can abuse it because of sparks, allowing him to do it again on that same target so you can hit the same thing for eight irreducible damage in that turn, then it's an issue. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes with sparks. Sparks is hostile work environment and such. So like depending on where your opponent's models are located, they may not even be able to get them out of the danger zone and heal them. So at that point, they might as well just be a, a fish out of water. Yeah. Definitely, but, and I think uh, they're they're both very efficient at healing constructs in general, right? So there's kind of a pretty obvious synergy there just on the top as well. Yeah, May, May 2 sets up a, a massive just sort of bubble that makes it very difficult to uh, to hurt any of her models up inside there. So when you got Hoffman just sitting at the center of, the, of this thing, just blasting people the entire time, it's just a big scary turret. Now, I haven't had to face Hoffman yet, thank God. But a question on that. Do May's models or any of May's models benefit from the markers that Hoffman 2 puts out? Is that a problem as well? Or is it only his keyword models that benefit from that? I played May Fang in 10 Thunders, so I don't actually play an Arcanist to know be able to the combo. But I don't think most of her stuff actually synergizes at all with Hoffman. But it's just that the fact that you have the blocking impassable terrain with the turret that makes them just a deadly beat stick. It's kind of why we'll, later we'll talk about bringing Ivan into Cruise. He is harder to kill than most things. He's armored, and you can give him focus if you need to from May because of May 2, because that's just another friendly model that hasn't been targeted yet to give conditions to. I think she may be able to give him shielded as well. So I don't think it's it's necessarily that Hoffman himself synergizes with the rest of Mayfang's crew. It's just she enables him to be to set up a large death circle in the center of the board and completely hold down that area to where it is effectively a death sentence to go into it. Because if you do, her things are extra durable up in that area and you're getting blasted with that gun. I mean, I do think a lot of it is if we just make the command construct non-master, again, you'll probably hear me say this more often than not, but master AP should only be that master's AP in general so that it makes balancing easier and it makes them more unique. So uh, most other things, you can't obey masters. Um, mm -hmm. That's So you can't obey your own or the opponent's because it's generally more powerful AP. So if things like command construct, instead of non-leader, it was non-master, those more powerful abilities, I think it would bring it back in line. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it, you wouldn't see it nearly as much because people are losing on the fact of you're bringing in then 16 stones for the same reason you could just hire them initially with synergy. 
I think the intention behind Command Construct is that masters do not get to use it. But of course, it doesn't. That's thinking in terms of playing a singles format. I think it's just one of those things where the intention is that there should not be master obeys in the game. But in this niche corner case, it worked out in that sort of manner. And I'm not sure. I think I think Command Corpse is probably worded in a similar way. So Lord knows we might see something comparable show up within resers or whatever at some point i i'm i'm unsure there aren't too many models with command corps but i think um in this particular case sparks and and that crew just sort of have a they hit that sweet spot for being able to abuse something that is very good i mean it i think they are going away from it because i know with the changes to the changeling and the just like you ability going away i think they are making changes that I very much appreciate to make masters that unique AP, which will get rid of not only some of the issues with this combination, but some of the others as well. I know they changed big morning too to uh, keyword only for some of his stuff, because being able to just pass it out to anything was way OP. What you're saying four stone models shouldn't be able to just do the same things masters do. I think so. <laughs> I think the next one is Molly Karai, Scott. You brought that one up? Or maybe just Karai in general as a second master? Well, specifically Molly and Karai. Uh, this would be OG Molly, and you could do this with either Karai, but was more seen early on with Molly and Karai. Basically, you were bringing Molly into a Karai crew, is the way I saw it the most. Uh, it could go actually both ways. We can kind of, we'll be touching on later on just how, in general, summoners are good to bring in as a second master. But Karai's crew suffers from a lack of card draw in her crew. And obviously, anyone who's ever played against Molly knows that Molly has card draw in spades. Just the fact when she activates, she can draw up to the same hand size as the opponents. She can eat the markers to get cards so you would be able to get that card draw for Karai. And of course, obviously, bringing in Molly, you'll have less models. But as a summoner, that typically mitigates this. Also, uh, what is also good with Molly into Karai, or Molly could be good with any crew. But again, speaking specifically with Karai, is that her free action, she can push models two inches and give them focus for each model that discards a card. And since that's friendly models, it's not specific to her keyword, that's helpful to get to any crew going. And usually you would see Cry as being a very much a Alpha Strike crew with a Kyrio, her getting her getting up the board, summoning Gorio and throwing them in the opponent's face. That just helps get that going an extra two inches. And now with the new versatile models that Cry has in keyword. Again, you can take them in with anyone, but you can now take a significant three-stone model with Karai to drop the ski markers for Molly to eat, whereas typically in a Molly crew, the Krooligans would be doing this. So, yeah. And, of course, you know, if you were into Allure, everyone knows that Molly and Karai are BFFs. Who doesn't want to see two friends getting together on the board and killing some people? 
Yeah, and speaking on that, though, um, because of bringing the enslaved spirit to drop the uh, the scheme markers for Molly to eat and everything, that model is fantastic for just helping defend masters against alphas in the sense that since they turn off focus to begin with, it just makes the whole prospect of going in on them even more difficult. And since Molly has serene countenance, it just it makes getting around her defenses exceedingly difficult. Yeah, and this is just a friendly reminder that Hildegard's ore is slightly better. So. <laughs> and also slightly more expensive. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's fair. Getting back to real quick, the command construct, command corpse, uh, I was looking some up real quick. And speaking of Molly, sure. who is an undead master, if she was oh for some reason a, a second master, you could command her to do any of her non-bonus actions. I don't think anyone's going to found a way to abuse it yet. But, well, I mean, you can use disturbing story to hit somebody for for three irreducible, so it is somewhat comparable, actually. Uh, if you do have any other forgotten minions uh, in the crew, like rabble risers, which are pretty cheap, so you might be able to get them. You could then command her to have it go not only a second time but a third activation. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> so instead of one minion getting to be able to activate again, you could then make her just have another three AP model with because it has flurry y'all just want me to to start playing molly again but you'd have to be a second master so it is there's a tax to that but still two rabble risers and molly as as a second in might not be a bad shenanigans jank list to try out sometime it's something to, to mess around with when i'm starting to feel like a degenerate i'm glad that cancer was born on this show <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone go try that now and let us know if it works. Yeah, find, find the combination. I'm too lazy to do it all. The next one was uh, Nexus 2 and Ivan. Maybe one of our explorers guys could cover this one. Speaking with full transparency, I have not actually played this combination. In fact, I have not gotten uh, Nexus 2 on the table yet. I'm still waiting on uh, it to get painted. But I think that the, the main shtick behind this specific combination is that nexus 2 brings all of the ap and ivan brings additional ap on top of it so you're already um kind of swarming your opponent with bucket loads of actions and with uh the parasite tokens effectively working as anti-chi allows you to break through certain things so like when ivan wants to go for his summon you could use that on somebody with a parasite to knock them down and get your get a relatively cheap summon off of them. Not as cheap as you could previously get them, of course, but at this point, I mean, summoning in a, a Deva, getting a free attack off of that, and just locking down a model is, I mean, it's still one of the grossest things. Even, even without Ivan having the damage on his summon anymore, you're still effectively gaining the damage back because that thing punches you when it shows up. And am I right in my understanding that uh, Ivan targets somebody with willpower 7, you use a parasite token that makes them effectively willpower 5, but you're still able to summon a rock inspector? Correct. Yes, because yes, it doesn't lower the stat. It just lowers the results of the duel. Right. Yep. So that's actually probably one of the, the, the easiest ways for him to get around that common weakness of his dealing with stat 7 willpower models is because of that ability. Yeah, I mean, even uh, make it easier to get a summon off on OG Zareta or Jetsa with their willpower eight. Get a parasite token on them. Now they're going to be willpower six for that tool. 
Yep, and they're still going to eat a Bracken or a Deva. I, admittedly, I think Davas are the better summon now. Brackens, I think what they did to the Brackens was a smidge too much. I've always thought the Davas were actually a very good summon anyways. I, but... I agree. I, I feel like they're one of the best summons in the game. They're they're ridiculous. Wow. Wow, that could lead us down a whole another tangent. What's the best summons in the game? <laughs> there are some very good ones, but definitely that's up. But we're... That, 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 that is a whole ass other episode just waiting to happen. Maybe next time. But in general, yes, uh, there was a lot of Ivan as a second master in Explorers. Not that they were doing amazing, but it was a very feel bad experience playing against Ivan as a second master. I have both played against it now and played with it twice total. I've kind of stepped back out of Explorers and into my my main crew, Thunders, now. But since his nerf, I haven't played it. But originally, pre his nerf, he was the mobile gun turret that could get to where he needed to go to mow down whatever you needed to die. Um, So he was definitely worth the points to deny any points you needed to deny or kill any specific piece because he could transfer. Now, is he as good anymore? I don't know. I haven't played him since the nerf. Uh, I haven't seen him as much as a second master since then. But still, with the with Nexus being able to reduce the duels, he's still probably as just effective. That and, I mean, the crew's already, like, chock full of, of a bunch of models and a bunch of AP. So it helps protect Ivan in the sense, because the opponent's probably going to be more concerned with dealing with all this chaff and nonsense flying all over the place where you got three masters, you know, punching and blasting you and running around and doing things. So at that point, you have to make a choice. You know, am I going to deal with Ivan or or am I going to deal with all of these models with all of this AP scoring points on me? Yeah, I think the other relevant thing that was changed with Ivan, there are a couple, a few changes to him, but uh, the fact that the to reduce damage to zero with shadow markers, they have to be within two instead of six. Definitely, to me, makes it seem like it's a little hard, a little riskier, maybe, to bring him as a second master, just because. So actually, you're you're mistaken ever so slightly on that. Um, the ability that was specifically changed was his ability to convert scheme and shadow markers into the other type of mark marker. Oh. That's the one that was reduced significantly. His um. It was, it was always a relatively small area for him to remove shadow markers to reduce damage. But um, in this situation, instead of him being able to just convert ones from all over the table, he's going to be more inclined to actually drop a scheme marker at his feet and then end his activation and then flip it into one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd say well, use, I used to use it more for the scoring aspect, flipping a shadow marker from six inches away into a scheme marker to score things uh and even then when he's turning things down you drop one black soul stone to do the shock wave and then be able to still turn it later into the scheme was Mm -hmm. was very strong (laughs) yeah and that that's just not a thing you can do anymore unfortunately that was honestly one of the things i enjoyed the most about him was how you could be sneaky with that for both scoring points and denying points because of course you you could just turn an enemy scheme marker into a shadow marker and just deny whatever it is they were trying to do i also have not played i ivan one since since the changes i only played ivan two since then well two with that ability 
he has with Nexus 2, there's so much AP that it's trivial for one model to take one AP and drop a ski marker where he's going to be at, and then he converts it uh, whenever he needs to. Easily, especially with, with uh, Nexus 2 effectively having a, a form of a little easy obey just sort of built into the card that you can use three. I think it's, no, I don't even think it's limited actually to the number of times you can use it. Um, I think you just can't use it on the same model more than uh, once per activation. I think it's the summon trigger might be once per turn. Target friendly cadence model takes a general action, ring engagement range, and ignore insignificant. So that is yeah. once per turn. But... Yeah, so you it is it is once per turn? Okay. But even still, you can use that on, on and eyes and ears because you ignore their insignificant. You can have them drop a scheme marker for you. And it's once per turn on three models. Yeah, three. Oh, so, so it was how I originally was thinking. Okay. Well, you have a master, so you can do it three times. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't seem good. I haven't played against Nexus 2, but they don't seem that much more fun than Nexus 1, so <laughs> not looking forward to it. Well, yeah, well, I mean, when your opponent has like 50 AP a turn, yeah, I don't you, like get, it. you get you get thirteen just for for choosing Nexus Two as your master. Yeah, and you know, just a bucket full of wounds between the three masters and the two totems. Mm-hmm. They all got eight health or something. Those totems are dumb. Two inch range from the shadows. Let's move anyway. on to that on the happy subject. How about uh, Maxine and Jedza? I don't think there's anything happy about this except for how I'll feel when I kick somebody's ass with it. <laughs> uh, we know, like, so this was uh, brought up brought up by uh, Cody Hyatt. He uh, played in the tournament recently and did this in the final uh, final round of the tournament. On further inspection, it seems like one of the one of the big things, other than the fact that Jedza Two is a great beat stick, and great beat sticks are always, almost always, rather amazing second masters. But in this situation, she's got a funky uh, synergy with. Maxine 2. So Maxine 2 has Breach Burn, which is a 6-inch aura that whenever a uh, EVS model within it discards a card from their Fate deck or um, sheets with a uh, card matching their reconfigure ability, they can choose a EVS model within that range to heal one. And so it was ruled in the latest errata that that is, a, that is one heal per card of that suit so in, in maxine's case it's a tome the reason why that's sort of funky is because with jedza 2 her uh, chronicle ability says that whenever a model within that aura heals they gain shielded one or staggered so since breach burn works the way it does it's multiple points multiple triggers of breach burn healing you for multiple instances of one health which triggers Jedza 2's ability multiple times. So say if, if Maxine 2 goes and hits her cascading magic trigger on her melee attack, where she discards five cards, if she were to discard three tomes in that and have a model heal three, they're also going to gain three shielded if they're also within the aura from Jedza. So from a, a net value of health, that's, that's like healing two each time and then also being able to heal beyond your maximum health. 
So that just brings the durability of, of a crew that because of this new title has become pretty damn durable, even higher. Plus, of course, you've got you've got healing within the crew that you can use through like Bo Fischbacher and such to heal Jedza herself to give her her life token so she can be set up to use her big spikes of uh, irreducible damage. Also, there's there's the fun bit with Bo being able to turn a, a marker, a non-hazardous marker, give it a hazardous aura, and then Jedza 2 can drudge it up the board into an enemy so they're now standing in hazardous and punch them through it. So that's fun. So what I'm hearing you saying is that Bo is OP and he should be nerfed into the ground. No, Bo's fine. Bo's not the problem. It's uh, it's Jedza. I mean, Jedza's aura, since it's, it's not limited in any sort of way, it's not limited to secret models, it's not limited to once per activation, it's it's not limited in any sort of fashion like that. It's just an odd combination that just spams amongst itself. Plus, she's just a solid beater to begin with. Again, it's one of those things where if it was limited to a keyword specific, it would negate this. Because, I mean, Maxine 2 is already hard enough to kill that crew. They are extremely durable, and I've seen them heal back up from the brink of death way too many times playing against it in my local metal. And then you add in the shielded and all the other shenanigans, and it it more than makes up for the disadvantages with bringing a second master. I will say, though, with that specific Chronicle ability, if it was made a keyword only, it would actually break the intent of it because it's set up so that if your enemy heals, you can give them staggered. So if it was changed to if a friendly seeker or an enemy model healed within it, you could probably fix it that way. That's what uh, Masaki 2 does is her um, auto activation where she drops shadow markers is friendly last blossom or enemy model. So specifically keyword or enemy. Yeah, so there's precedent for that sort of verbiage elsewhere then. I think this is very much one of those situations where like in a a standard um, context of a game, it wouldn't work in this way because nobody spams out a bunch of plink heals all at once like this usually it's you know individual heal that gets modified rather than it being well you're going to heal four times for one i'm just thinking uh because i know there's some burst heals but yeah no multiple plink heals off the same action how about mcmorning mcmorning one there's nothing wrong with mcmorning one he, he is what he is og mcmorning is fine. He can be brought as a second master to, to take care of armor or, and all that shenanigans with precise, but I don't think that's overpowered anymore because it is 16 points at that point for the beat stick. But I think we're actually going to bring up McMorning 2. McMorning 1 as a second master not only is he good at beat stick, but he also does, if you bring corpse generation in, he can also be a summoner and bringing in flesh constructs. So those are very good models, especially as a summons for, you know, anything you want to do scheme running because they have reckless tanky because bucket full of wounds and hard to wound. So they uh, can stay in the fight. And if need be, you know, you always can summon another one with a uh, McMorning. Although if you're using them strictly as a beat stick, probably not the best thing to do 
because he gains distracted off of it. But again, if you're bringing in condition removal or you can pulse out focus to him, that will negate the distracted when it gets on him. He can definitely be a good uh, beat stick. So the, the chat that has been come up that I've heard from the other Rezzer player in the Michigan meta who follows the Rezzer chat and all, is McMorning 2 and Reva 2 uh, in general, like a single corpse candle can become four corpse markers and three pyre markers, which then make morning two can have three corpses just sitting right there to summon a flesh construct. And then you have all the pyre markers you need to do any of your stuff, which corpse curator in the faction can also uh, move those pyre markers. Uh, and there was another one that Yan Lo 2 and make morning two, if you do Yanlo as the main, McMorning as your second. You can bring Toshiro and you get Ashigaro and a Flesh Construct a turn with the amount of corpse markers you get down. And Ashigaro then actually become a viable Yanlo uh, thing to bring around because you have plenty of them. Ashigaro are amazing models. Extended reach on a, a four, like four or five points. They're five points. Five points, hard to kill, armor one, I think. Correct. Yeah. So, and I think they have to take the hit as well. So it's McMorning too, and all the resource generation that he can bring and then summon. Again, having any summoner as a second master reduces the disadvantage, the biggest disadvantage of loss of AP. Though McMorning one can also summon flesh constructs, if I'm not mistaken. He's not a Rezzer master that I play personally. Same with Reva. But um, that's another point up for uh, McMorning 1. And just the fact that I think it's it's almost like a, a rule at this point that if you're a good beater and or a good summoner, you're going to be a good second master. Genza 2 can also summon models. Forgot. She, she can summon the, 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 the more rates. One of the reasons why summoners are such good second masters is that it uh, mitigates... One of the disadvantages of bringing in a 16-point model is that they're bringing in models that you may have hired or to replace models that you may have hired if you hadn't brought a second master. Yeah, they basically repay their costs during the game. Split Across Worlds on Maxine uh, 2 has the Healing Burst trigger. So since the trigger um, happens after succeeding, you're going to turn off the healing of the target that you hit with it. So... It does not, at least in that situation, does not combo so you can give the enemy staggered on top of everything. Probably the mess. Probably, but that's okay. That's okay. Everything else is just not going to die, and Jed's just going to punch you really hard and then maybe summon a little piece of crap model that just sticks to your legs. But getting away from Explorers, there's definitely uh, some Neverborn is actually where I've seen the majority of second masters until explorers came out with uh, uh, really? pretty much adding dreamer into anything. Yeah. I mean, I won't, I won't lie. It's, it's great. Neverborn has a lot of willpower attacks in general. So he kind of fits with almost any crew. Um, he has extremely good summons for tar pits or even kind of beaters. And he doesn't have to be anywhere near the summon, the willpower attacks. So, he kind of just like runs around, maybe even scoring points for you while he just like throws up his summon and lets the other crew do the rest for him, basically. 
not being uh, a Neverborn player, can Dreamer 2 summon Chompy if you didn't initially hire him? Yep, definitely. Yes, and also, correct me if I'm wrong, but early on, Dreamer wasn't costed at 15 points. He was less, and then that got rotted to uh, raise him up, so he wasn't as attractive a, as a second master. Yeah, he cost like 8 or 10 stones or something previously. I think it was 11, but yeah, it was definitely well under the 15 initially that most other masters did. Yeah, and I believe that was the reason for that was because Chompy was pretty expensively costed, but uh, yeah, it fixed it since then. It's why Jacob Lynch was 11 and the Hungry Darkness is 8. Nakima is. What can you say about Nakima? He's a really good beat stick. She's, she's maybe the best. I'll say. Three five six is really good. Set seven's really good. Range two in flight. There's almost nothing bad about her. You know that actually makes me curious about Nakima two as a second master, just because she summons tots like nobody's business and can potentially grow them up. And she's got like massive uh, pulse heals. Up. Definitely nephilim. In the Neverborn, if we have pulse heals, then it's definitely keyword restricted. <laughs> then that's good. I'm aware yeah, her, of the her ability. Heal is Nephilim only. Uh, okay. Specifically well, friendly Nephilim. So you get that Nephilim mirror match. You're not healing your opponent's Nephilim. Well, yeah, I think we've covered kind of a good array of some of the problematic ones. We haven't covered every one, obviously. I think Zoraida was talked about before Malfa Burns. Maybe she's not as good as Second Master now. but uh, yeah, I feel like there's, there's going to be a bunch of... of combinations beyond the things we've pointed out here they're going to end up coming up here before long and especially with the vessel world uh series going on and doing their double master uh month i believe um i oh. think we may end up seeing some funky combinations come out of that when the stats man starts bringing the information see and i don't actually don't really rate zareta as the second master as very good for a couple reasons one being another master on the board you cannot obey that master and two what makes her obeys really powerful is that she can just sit in her deployment zone and do it through her models and if she's coming in as a second master unless you're bringing in another out of keyword model you can't slingshot your obeys up the board she's going to actually have to walk like a peasant to get to uh, an area where she can start obeying either your models that have gone up the board or your opponent's models yeah, I know she she was very common back back when, but I think uh, Weird has gone through quite a few steps to try and discourage that sort of use of her. Yeah, she does have the scrap generation machine, which is kind of cool, but I've seen some people do it. I don't know that it's terribly effective. Um, I guess that's kind of yet to be seen. But. I did it a couple times early on in 3rd edition. It's good. I typically, when I ran that, it was kind of like a Neverborn All-Stars list. Best Lisa, Ryder, sometimes a tree, Serena Bowman, and Hinamatsu. So that was more about obeying my models as opposed to the opponent's models. And then you get to stitch together in there. But, you know, it's it's good. But is it great? I don't think so. Okay. Now that we've gone through, like, a bunch of these options what are some first let's go over what are the advantages of bringing a second master why is it why is it good to do ap economy is something that it brings 
yes and no. Um, frankly, you can you can bring a second master and still get your average seven models on the on the board. I think a lot of people tend to average out around seven ish models on the table. So I think I think most of the arguments that you're losing AP are not necessarily true unless you're you're bringing six or less. And honestly, AP economy is a key to winning games oftentimes. The more actions you have, the more likely you're going to be able to go and do the things you need to do to score points. Um, that being said, you know, earlier on we were discussing the the May and Hoffman thing and how valuable and important master AP is. Bringing a second master just undeniably just brings three exceptionally valuable and worthwhile AP. You're not going to bring a second master that is bad at it. Um, you're going to bring something where it has a very specific purpose and each of those AP is meant to do something and be potent. And because of that, I feel like you're oftentimes weighing the the pros and cons of why you would bring a second master. And in those situations, it clearly is going to weigh in the favor of extra AP, usually extra damage or utility. And I think um, that's a pretty strong, strong case for it. I think the, the biggest part you said there, Zach, was the it's uh, impactful AP or just powerful AP, the things that leave a mark. Like you yes, bring him for his ability to get around armor and hard to kill. So if you're a reser and you need to be able to delete, you know, Hoffman's two crew or any other armored crew, you can tech him in as that big impactful tech piece to eliminate your problem. That's mm -hmm. why I bring uh, McCabe into a lot of thunders if they are bringing all armor, because if you have minions, he can toss out the ignores armor. <laughs> Gets rid of your issue. The lightsaber. Yeah, and like for, for resers, uh, that's super important because a lot of reser keywords struggle with armor outside a few a few key pieces. And obviously with Thunders, that's also something that you view as being extremely valuable is being able to get around that particular weakness for your matchup. I'd say another advantage, um, probably more along a, of a tech pick, but if you're bringing two Masters into a obey master that gives you two models on your side that cannot be obeyed and especially with the new titles there is what an exponential growth in the number of obey masters out there so that could be something that you see uh, zareda come across the table or a basaki two and you can go okay i can bring in a second master and that's now two models that they can't obey and could possibly threaten those masters to be playing in a different style. I said, oh, I'm just going to sit here and obey everything. And now they have two models they have to watch out for that could come in and potentially kill them. And there's nothing they, they can really do about it. So what you're saying is play Jacob Lynch 2 and bring an additional master so you have three of them. That's what I was going to bring up is, is, is if you ever need to decide, you know, a three master crew... <laughs> <laughs> or Nexus 2 and Ivan. Now you have four models that can't be obeyed. There you go. See, that's that's the new meta. It's the three-plus masters that you can get away with legally. The Vix. But yeah, I think that is important to keep in mind when we're talking about things like balances. At least the theory is that we 
kind of has all of these things in mind. So like having things like obey masters and being able to take a second master that you obeyed, that's like an important factor we need to keep in mind when we say something is or is not balanced, you know, from our perspective anyway. It does give access to things that might not be anywhere else in your faction outside of another master. Yeah, and a great example of that is Lucius II as a as a ruthless master with secret passage. Um, that is not a thing that any other Neverborn really does. So having that as um, as an option really does make me feel a little better about some of the some of the Rezer matchups, or just your mirror match against other Neverborn. Mm-hmm, totally. Okay. Well, it sounds like they're good to do. What are some of the disadvantages of double masters? I know Zach, you already mentioned that you don't think it's as bad um, with the loss of AP, but you are looking at trying to get the most impactful. So it's the same way as it's an advantage. Sometimes you can bring it in. And if you're sacrificing those, those costs, like 10 thunders, if I bring in another master 16 points, I'm looking at what the strategy and scheme is and you specifically have issues with the strategy um, and I need more models like Desper into anything that's symbols or anything super schemey and you can bring a Katashiro or a tank or two Tengu almost yeah two Tengu and Desper for 16 points if you're in Asami's keyword roughly but either way you can tech in almost triple AP over another master that is also very impactful on that specific strategy and scheme pool. So sometimes you are losing a fair amount of impactful AP. Not always. You got to weigh it out, but that's one of the things. Sure. And I think that's very keyword dependent. Like some keywords are very much more expensive than others and make the prospect of bringing a second master and eating that cost um, makes that much more difficult to uh to consider especially when you um have a lot of answers to questions within the keyword itself more on uh, a continuation of the topic bringing a second master also puts a massive target on that master's head so generally speaking you're bringing a second master as a beat stick we've noticed or a support usually through summoning or maybe through funky other combinations, but it seems like summoners and beat sticks are the most common that we've discussed so far. Um, if you are bringing one as a beat stick, that puts them in a position of being targeted down. And if that happens and you don't have the means of supporting them and keeping them up, you could be losing a lot of points very quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, especially your opponent's going to be thinking, well, if they brought in the second master, that is not a beat stick that you're bringing them in for a very specific purpose. And that could be uh, kind of revealing your hand on what schemes you may be taking. If, if that master has been brought in for that purpose or that that master is the going to be the primary person who is going to be scoring you your strategy points. So that can be tipping your hand to what your plans are going forward in the game. Absolutely. I think uh, I think bringing a second master is almost inherently a winchpin play, like by nature of like, like all all the the mathematical balancing you have to put in to fit them in. If you're bringing them, it's going to be for a very specific and or important reason. And so you've essentially very, very verbally shown to your opponent early on in um, the match start 
that you are linchpinning yourself into using the second master. Yeah, in poker terms, you'd say you're going all in, right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're showing your hand before the flips even happen, basically. Yeah, totally. I think that actually ties in a lot with the next disadvantage that can be. I think most people choose masters that will negate this, but the resource drain on a, of a second master. Um, knowing that they are possibly that target, it's going to take more cards and more stones, not only to make their uh, actions impactful, but also to keep them up. And just by nature, having an elite crew, which double master tends to be highly elite because you're spending 16 stones in that model, uh, you have less resources to go around and you have to really focus on what really matters. So there's the resource drain, which can lead to a lot of mistakes on is it worth it or is it to, to spend this card? It's, should now I cheat? Should now I spend the stone to put them on a negative? Do I need the stone for cards? It uh, mentally is taxing trying to manage your resources to make sure you can do everything you want to do. So in that case, keywords that are able to generate resources are oftentimes better suited for doing things of these natures. So, so crews with a lot of card draw, maybe they can generate soul stones. They're more likely to be able to support bringing something along those lines. Um, or even so in some cases, you may want to go the opposite direction and bring the second master to help support and generate resources for a crew that may not otherwise do that, whether that be through summoning or card draw with Molly or something along those lines. Yeah, even more of a resource strain is since most of your upgrades are given to masters, I mean, are you putting a upgrade on that master and now making it an 18-point model, having it even more of a resource strain on your crew? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a crackpot idea. <laughs> But I've always wanted to take Euripides as a second master because he has intuition. He can generate a shit ton of, of uh, markers, which potentially, if you bring him into like Dreamer, they don't give a shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, you maybe have to stone once, but if you get lucky and get a moderate tome, he can do almost everything he needs to do just with that one because of old ways as well. So I think I think it's good. Yet to be proven. <laughs> <laughs> well you can play it in the uh, Basel tournament this month and show how everyone how every show everyone how good it is yeah i need i need to stop tripping. never born down though gotta, gotta start repping the team maybe, uh, maybe all this experimenting isn't uh, doing you any any good <laughs> i guess the last thing i have on like what could be a disadvantage is not really a disadvantage as much as more towards the game is seems to have lent that way to counteract these OP duos, which is when burns hit a lot more of the masters had those in keyword synergies and wanted to be played in keyword more outside of Jacob Lynch too. Just in general, that's was the feeling I got. And I think it seems weird made an attempt to make things and double down on their keyword uh, strategy they had from the beginning to make things very fluff wise, keep it in key and use out of keyword for the tech pick. But generally, I mean, not that Asami 2 is great, but you know, you don't want to take out of keyword models with her. Um, Marcus 2 loves his beasts. You know, you want to stay in keyword. Perdita 2 stays in keyword. She always has, but 
I'm trying to think of a master that didn't state keyword that did. But. Perdita, Perdita does enjoy the uh, the Death Marshal recruiter specifically, though. <laughs> a tech pick, but then the rest of the crew. A tech pick that breaks the rest of the crew. <laughs> but it just seems, that's why my opinion is that it seems like they've made an attempt because there's a lot more keyword specific or leader abilities um, so that you don't get that power if they're not the, the actual leader of the, the crew. I agree, and I very much enjoy that uh, that design direction personally. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more uh, abilities and triggers and actions are definitely more keyword locked in the titles than in the uh, OG versions. It makes me hope that once the the next Eurata comes around, they go back and look at some of those older OG masters that either never saw much play to begin with or lost a lot of play after these titles came out they go in and add more of those sorts of design philosophies to them bump them up try and give them their own identity um if they are too similar to their titles i'm looking at sonia specifically here and yeah i, I hope that that uh, that design philosophy kind of permeates and uh, seeps through the rest of the uh the older models I think to double down, uh, just looking through the 10 Thunders, outside of Jacob Lynch, which is the opposite, McCabe, most of his title abilities are all keyword, where initially he played with almost anything. Mei Fang, yes, she does have the combo we talked about, but most of her actual abilities, summoning Gammon and her front of card stuff is Foundry only. Uh, Shen Long, his new abilities are almost all Monk related. And then... Yeah, Yanlo too. Yanlo's always kind of been keyword. So to add to that, there there are instances where that can also sort of uh, backfire. Molly too, specifically, while she does have a number of keyword only abilities, a lot of them don't seem to either be as good as you would want them to be, or as uh, tempting enough to use to where they are um, as impactful on the game as you would like them to be it's just me going on my molly two hate train but that's that's just another situation where at least with like molly two uh, a lot of her things don't quite jive enough to make you not want to bring outside help like bringing hanged so that you could punch them and move them up but not actually hurt them in comparison to moving your other models and hurting them, you know, things along those lines. I just want to see the look on your face when you uh, triple flip uh, severe on those hanged from Molly's attack. Oh, I've, I've, I've seen things like that happen. Actually, I, in, in my games that I've uh, played with, like with my game with Molly two that I played more recently, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Something along those lines happened where I just, it hurts when it happens. Okay. Well, uh, red joker it. Oh yeah. Rezzers love the red jokers in the face, I've heard. Well yeah, when most of them are hard to wound to begin with, yeah, you're gonna be flipping all those cards and you're just eating them. So we've talked a lot about kind of double masters in general. And what are some specific tangible ways that you can counter a double master combo? And I'll start off with a very concrete example that I don't think has rivaled anywhere else. It's called the Empyrean Eagle. 
you can bring two of these bad boys in Apex and Chimera Cruise. And they have a cool ability called the Scout Ahead. After deployment zones are chosen, choose an enemy non-lead model without from the shadows. The chosen model deploys now rather than during deployment. So this is useful in two ways. The first way is that you, if somebody is the attacker, you can make them deploy something in the other group that you need. But more applicably, masters can be non-leaders. So if somebody does double master you and you need one of these two crews, or if you're just an explorers, then bring one of these models, you'll at least see where they drop. If it's like, you know, I even or somebody who's just teleporting around, maybe it doesn't matter so much, but uh, sometimes it probably will matter. Maxine's totem has that same ability also. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Specifically teching in uh, either irreducible where it is or non-soulstone preventable damage is great. Because you know they're going to be trialably trying to bring those soul stones and that to keep up two separate masters or tech to keep them up. So if you know what masters they are, you can take anti-armor into Hoffman too, and he actually goes down very fast. <laughs> uh, also along the lines with Irreducible, if you also have a way to keep their models from being healed, like say for instance uh, in Yurami, they have quite a few models that uh, don't let you heal the model till they till the end of the turn so again going along with if they're bringing that second master and they're bringing in healing to support that second master you can uh, turn that off granted that's kind of corner case but it is something that you could uh tech in possibly to counteract a second master considering we discussed how a lot of uh second master choices can be beat sticks um one instance is like if you play molly and they try and alpha you, her totem, if it gets you and puts poison on you, turns off their ability to use stones. So that's another means of uh, mitigating their ability to use the resources to uh, capitalize on their second master use. Yeah, I think also the Scorpius has that too. So something other than just that specific model. But again, very corner case with just very few models having that. Yeah, absolutely. Or um, if they're also bringing in the summoning master, if you have the possibility to bring in models that can, uh, on triggers, just eliminate models that have been summoned, that could also be uh, some very nice uh, tech against a second master or summoner. Or bring gravity well. And all these things are just not neverborn things. Why, why, why don't you guys say some neverborn things that we Uh, You could bring Nakima as a second master and then have them duke it out in the center of the table? I like it. can just bring Pandora and make each master eat their own attacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. About to say, yeah, like, well, I mean, hell, you don't even need to bring Pandora. Just bring Candy. She does it better. Man, candy is such a good mobility. Could, could you imagine Candy smacking Hoffman with his own irreducible laser? Would she be able to bump that up to irreducible five with her with her hopelessness trigger? That would be sweet. <laughs> On a tangent, though, to do something that would make someone cry is having OG Pandora bury the grave goo with its own attack. <laughs> that's an amazing. That's an amazing <laughs> thing. I remember when we when we discovered that. Don't ever bring the grave goo against uh, Pandora or 
probably never born because if they bring candy, candy can do it too. <laughs> it, it's, it has nothing to do with taking down second masters, but it's also just a, a hilarious thing that you can do. Well, I think the important conclusion there is that candy is indeed fair balanced, just like candy. Candy is the devil. I don't even play Neverborn, but I don't want them to touch her. I love her so much. Well, yeah, yeah, until you run into ruthless models, and then candy is not the best. Yeah. See, fair and balanced. I have no problem against candy at all, but I'm a 10 Thunders player, and I can also play Yoko too with ruthless models. So you can have all your manipulative in that, and it's not going to matter because I'm just going to go after you're done moving. Because <laughs> Thunders has the most uh, ruthless in the game, I believe. Yes, they have the most. And not only the most, but it's also on a lot of versatile models. Well, one last thing I had, anyway, for Second Masters is uh, Second Ma Masters die the same as anybody dies to execute triggers. And I know that execute triggers aren't the most reliable thing, but sometimes you can make them a little bit by bringing somebody like Lucius, who has really intense hand pressure, if you can get them to burn those stones in early turns, then you really start just wiping people. And I believe in that in that game where I played Lucius against Nakima, I think I did execute Nakima the fourth turn. So, well, that and just because of the inherent uh, resource drain that bringing a second master has, that is more likely to set you up to um, maybe pull off that magical Christmas land execute where it's where it functions as something other than a resource drain. Yeah, totally. You can also use command construct against Hoffman as a second master. <laughs> Very good point out that. All right. Well, I think we've pretty much solved it for everybody. Second masters are fair and balanced. Go and tell your friends. No, but uh, I think... I think they're very interesting. I think uh, they have the potential to be balanced. And I think even if uh, the gaming grounds came out, maybe that could fix a lot of this, adding things that are more like non-master non whatever. That can all help tamper down some of these nasty combos as well. So um, I think Weird has the tools, so let's just hope that they use them effectively. Yeah, I mean the way the way they went after summoners with the with the last GG, it's it's clearly not beyond them to put in very corner case specific rules within the gaining grounds to try and taper off things that they think might be an issue. Absolutely. So again, off topic, but does anyone think that they may take out those summoning restrictions in the next GG, or do we think those are pretty much stapled going forward? I think it depends on the nature of what the schemes and strats look like. Well, the strats specifically, how they look. Um, if we get another GG where it is very um, interact heavy, very scheming style of play heavy, I think that's something that they'll probably keep in there or maybe modify slightly to be a little bit less oppressive to the summoners. If we get another GG like GG1 that was very kill-centric, they very well could take them out because it's not going to be as impactful as it was previously. I think when they added that into the GG, I th that's going to be stapled in there going forward because I don't think it really, in the long run, hurt the summoners so much that they have no chance to win games and or if you're looking on the competitive end, be at top tables. So I just think that is going to be something that they're going to have stapled into those GGs going forward. I agree. I think it was a, a pretty good change overall. I don't 
think the, the death of summoners was uh, as accurate as it may have been reported back when those uh, changes were first implemented. Agreed. All right. Well, any final thoughts, guys? We have a tournament coming up that nobody's going to go to. <laughs> well, we're going to go to it. By the time this gets out, it'll be over. I'll be there, so that's all that matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, someone's got to be a good middle table player. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm solidly at that middle table as well. The, the next time we have a tournament, we'll, we'll, we'll shout it out and hopefully get more people to come up north and uh, play some games with us and remind us why we're probably average at best. <laughs> but, hey, if we're all average – then that means we're all excellent too. Kind of like, you know, the opposite. If everyone's incredible, no one's incredible. Well, I think that's a good note to end on right there. <laughs> so, uh, on a note that didn't actually make much sense. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the best. We're not, here to, we're not here to make sense. We could have just talked bullshit. <laughs> and clip that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we're just going to keep dropping these as quick as we can. So hope you're enjoying it. Uh, reach out to our new Gmail at breachburnt at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from buddy, uh, everybody. Otherwise, uh, have a good one and talk to you all later. <laughs>